Hi, I'm Jake Miller, host of the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Be sure to check out all of our other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and we're back in the saddle after an extended summer break as we launch season number two of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Let me begin by saying a big thank you to all of our loyal listeners out there that made Reimagined Schools a huge success in year one with 43 amazing guests, more than 36,000 listens on 11 different podcasting platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and many, many more. You can also always find the show at our website at reimaginedschools.net. As we enter season number two, I'm so excited to welcome in a very special guest. He's a best-selling author, speaker, and financial expert as we welcome in Chris Hogan to the podcast to talk about leadership development, financial planning for educators, and how we can incorporate a life skills curriculum throughout all of our K-12 classrooms. Chris is the host of the very popular Chris Hogan Show. You can connect with him on the web and on social media at Chris Hogan 360. You can also buy his newest book, Everyday Millionaires, wherever books are sold. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chris Hogan as the Reimagined Schools podcast begins right now. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm fired up, very excited to have a wonderful guest today. He's a best-selling author, personal financial expert. He's also the host of the highly popular Chris Hogan Show, our friend Chris Hogan. How are you, Chris? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here. Um, you know, we had a chance to meet not too long ago. You were on the campus at uh, Georgetown College here in Central Kentucky, where you were a graduate and also uh, played on a national championship football team and really enjoyed the chance to catch up with you. Uh, I've had a chance to hear you speak a couple times, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Well, thank you very, very much. I'm excited to be with you and uh, to dive into this interview. For those people that may not be familiar with uh, Ramsey Solutions and what you do, uh, you and Dave Ramsey have formed a, a wonderful one-two punch as you're helping people across uh, not only the country but across the world uh, have better success uh, both financially and in their personal lives. Can you just kind of break down your background and how you and Dave uh, became so formidable? Sure, absolutely. Well, I, uh, I connected with Dave about, oh gosh, going on about 14 years ago. And my background is as a banker. I worked in the uh, banking industry dealing with mortgages and working with uh, pro athletes and entertainers on the private client side and the banking side. Uh, but I had a chance to cross paths with Dave at a charity function and really got a chance to know more about him and his message. And it was absolutely eye-opening for me because as a banker, I knew, I thought I knew how money worked, 
But in reality, I didn't understand how personal finance impacts lives. And so really connecting with Dave and learning more about him really opened my eyes to the world of opportunity to be able to help people truly effectively know how money works. And you guys have done some wonderful work. And, uh, you know, Dave, uh, for those of you that don't know, is the also a best-selling author of The Total Money Makeover. Uh, your book, Everyday Millionaire, continues to sell copies uh, as you try to help folks kind of better navigate, uh, let's just call it life and all the pitfalls that come in life. Uh, I also know that you do a lot of speaking uh, and help folks with leadership development, and that's the last uh, time I had a chance to see you. Why is that leadership piece so important for you as you go out and try to help people? Well, leadership is important to me because of this statement right here, Greg. People matter. And because people matter, leaders have an incredible opportunity to help people not just get better at their job, but to get better at their life. Uh, you know, in my time at Georgetown, uh, being a part of the, the, the football program there, as well as the school, I had some incredible coaches. Uh, these coaches weren't just helping us to develop as athletes. They were helping to develop us as men. And Coach Arnie Horney, uh, Coach Bill Cronin, Bruce Owens, uh, Kevin Donnelly, the list goes on and on. And these were incredible men that took the time to pour into us young men to help us to understand the opportunity that we had, not just on the playing field, but on the campus. And so really understanding this and taking it all in and seeing it, but not just listening, but hearing it and putting it and applying it in our day-to-day -day lives, I was able to see an impact and how other people felt around us as we walked around the campus. And one of the themes, uh, at least when I had a chance to hear you speak, was personal responsibility. And that's not only a great mantra for dealing with your finances, but also as a leader or, or as someone that just wants to be a more productive person. Uh, is that one of the general themes that you try to share with folks when you go out and speak? Well, I think it's important. I think, you know, our culture is all too quick to look to blame someone or something. And I think looking at this and really understanding, I've had an opportunity to be around some incredibly successful entrepreneurs, some incredibly successful leaders. And one of the things that they do, there are a few things that really jump out at me, but number one, they're, they're, they're humble, which means that it's not about them. They understand that it's about the team or the product or service and th that they represent. Uh, but they also take responsibility, which means if something didn't go well or something didn't work, they own it, but they're also looking for a solution. And so that just has impressed me so much in a culture that doesn't tend to do that. So it really sticks out like a sore thumb. And we both know leadership can be tough. It's a lonely position that, you know, they say it's lonely at the top. Uh, we just are coming off this last school year. There may be a lot of principals and superintendents listening that are coming off a pretty tough year and they have to get re-energized and fired up for the coming school year. That's going to be here before you know it. So what can you say to those folks, whether you're a leader in business or whether you're a leader in a school setting, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. What advice do you have for those folks uh, that need to find a little fire in their belly as they get ready for something new? Well, I think anytime you are, you know, gearing down or getting ready to gear up for another school year or another task as a leader, I think that there are three, three R's that are important. I think it's important to relax, to recharge, and to regroup. And, 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 I, and I say that in as far as relaxation, meaning take some time for self. Self-care is really important. Understand how you're wired. Understand what brings you joy. Uh, and, and really try to engage in some of those activities. Uh, the recharge is really understanding your impact. Understand the opportunity that's in front of you. 
you know, school teachers are incredible. Uh, uh, administrators in school systems uh, are incredible because they're shaping young men and women. Uh, they're shaping the next generation. And so the opportunity that's in front of them is massive. And so I think they really have an opportunity to give them really an opportunity to be able to understand what's at stake and what they can do better. The regroup, I think, is important because this is now really looking at your school system, your school district, your teachers, your students as a team. And being a product of team sports, I understand the value of everyone having a role because the team has goals. But regrouping means that you're pulling everyone back together. You have to unify a team. They have to be on the same page with what we're looking to accomplish. But we also have to be on the same page to understand the, the threats or the obstacles that we're going to face as we move into this new school year. And so I think as a leader, if you relax, you regroup, and you recharge, it gives you an excellent opportunity to have an amazing impact on people. And, you know, I think that's great advice. As a former superintendent myself, um, you know, you, you have to recharge and you have to have a positive mindset as you, as you welcome kids back for another school year. And like I said, it's going to be here before you know it. Um, you know, Chris, I've had the good fortune to talk to some amazing leaders, uh, best-selling authors, filmmakers, people in the education space. And it seems like for me, it always comes back to creating a positive culture. And we can't talk about culture enough. No, you can't. I mean, and culture, it's one of these things. As I travel around and speak around the country, I'll go in and do corporate events or things all across the country. But whenever I go in and they ask me to speak about culture, I, I first then tell them culture is not a thing. Culture is what you are. So culture is the collective of the individuals that you've hired. It's the collective of the mindset and the values that you operate by. So the best way for a company to impact its culture is to impact the people that you have with you. And so that's really one of those things. Everybody wants to work in a positive environment. You know, you can talk to anyone that's working in a bad work environment, and I'm going to tell you, they wake up on Saturday confused and thinking it's Sunday, and they're already got some knots in their stomach. Because when they walk back in that door of that place where it's a bad environment or they're not treated well, it makes for a long, hard week. And people are working hard. And so I think we've got an opportunity as leaders to create the right kind of environment where people feel appreciated, they feel respected, and they feel cared for. You know, as, as someone that studies leadership theory, uh, there for a long time, kind of the, uh, the mantra was team building. And we all know how important team building is to get everyone moving the same direction. But I'm glad to see a shift now, more discussion about servant leadership. And I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart. It really is. I mean, now you talk about team building. The only way you build a team is by building individuals, right? You unite a team with, an, with a, that motive, that goal that they're working toward. But this whole aspect of servant leadership, in my opinion, having been here at Ramsey Solutions for 14 years, this is the place where I saw it in action. Uh, this is the place where instead of it being all about traditional leadership here, Greg, as you well know, it means that everyone else is doing everything and it's all about the person at the top. But servant leadership literally flips that on its head, where it means that the people at the top are, are, are doing things and focusing on everyone else. And so it's really this mindset of we're in this together. And when you have that, when you have a leader that's pitching in to do things uh, that no one's too good to, to be a part of or to help, you really start to impact the culture and the people that are around you. And I love the fact that you talked a little bit about goals. And that kind of takes us into setting goals. And whether you're a part of a team uh, on the athletic field or you're part of a, a team in the business setting, 
our school setting. I know as a former school administrator myself, I always wanted to set two or three goals uh, for every school year, but there's kind of a fine line between uh, those small attainable goals and kind of those big picture goals that we know are going to be difficult to reach. No, it really is. I think goal setting for me is the thing that's been a part of, of, of one of the major principles that has changed my life. Um, I learned to set goals early in life because through sports and, and really understanding what it is I wanted to accomplish. But I think, you know, every, everyone out there has goals. I think it's really a matter of the commitment we, we, we make to achieving them. Uh, so I want everyone out there to really dig in and understand the power of that. Uh, Zig Ziglar was an incredible mentor for me, uh, an opportunity to be able to meet him a couple times in my life, but through his books and his materials. And I think we have to be really uh, aware of what we can accomplish when we set our mind to something. And so that is something that's really important that, you know, you got to be careful of the things that you tell yourself. Uh, you need to speak positives to you because it's hard if you're telling yourself negative things and you're being too hard on yourself, it's hard to be encouraging and uplifting to someone else. So I think we need to practice that kindness and that positive skill internally so we can do it naturally externally. And again, very well said. My guest today is Chris Hogan. Uh, you want to check him out at chrishogan360.com. Uh, check out the Chris Hogan Show on YouTube or wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, you can also follow Chris at uh, chrishogan360 on Twitter with over 97,000 followers. Did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that – uh, a kid from Woodford County in Kentucky would have 97,000 people following at your every move? No, not at all. I'm going to tell you something. I have been the recipient of a lot of people that saw more in this little Kentucky boy than maybe I saw in myself. Uh, but it goes back to that whole aspect of leadership, of people believing in me and pushing me. And so to have this opportunity means I want to encourage and, and push as many people as I can to dream big but also work hard. And, you know, we have a lot of educators, obviously, that listen to this podcast, uh, teachers, uh, superintendents, principals. And, and if you look holistically, uh, on average, teachers, by and large, don't make a lot of money. Now, uh, there are pockets uh, of places uh, in the country where they might make uh, more than others. But teachers are always worried about making a living wage. And your area of expertise is how to manage their money and plan for retirement. So the teachers out there listening uh, would never forgive me if I didn't ask for a little bit of advice on what teachers can do to better prepare for their future. Well, I can tell you this. You know, teachers are an incredible asset. Uh, they are heroes in our communities. They are the first line of helping to guide young men and women uh, as, they, as they think and as they grow. So I think they are definitely not paid near what they're worth. But I'm seeing also throughout the research, I did the largest research study that's ever been done on millionaires uh, with Everyday Millionaires, my, my latest book that came out in January. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, of the, of the top three professions of all the millionaires that we studied, number one was engineers, number two was accountants, number three was school teachers. Okay? So what that tells me is that school teachers, where you are, if you're listening to this, you have an opportunity to impact your financial future by being plugged in on a plan. In my first book, Retire Inspired, I released that in 2016. It was America's wake-up call on retirement, that it's not about an age, it's a financial number. And so what I want teachers to understand is that if you really look at this and understand where you are, know your dreams and what you want to accomplish, but have a plan for your money, how to budget, how to save, how to get out of debt and invest, you can do what you need to do with the income you have. And so it's all a matter of us understanding what we can do, but having the right tools. 
So that book is Retire Inspired, and I encourage all the teachers out there to grab a copy and really start to wake up on this retirement thing and understand you've got more power for your future than you think. And I think the important thing is it, it's not too late to make some changes. And just for full disclaimer, my wife and I have been on the Ramsey Hogan plan uh, for over a year now, and uh, I'm, I'm 51. And uh, it's, I just, it's just not too late to make some of those personal changes. No, I thank you so much for saying that because that was going to be one of my statements. Listen, we've all made mistakes with money. We've all done something crazy or stupid with money at some point in time. It just means you're human right? But the thing that we can do is make a decision to get better. So regardless of where you are right now, those that are listening to your show, I want you to understand you've got the power to make a decision and to get better right now. So don't waste another day. Understand you can improve. You just need the right information. And I can tell you from experience, the plan does work. So like I said, I've been on it and my wife and I, my wife may be your biggest fan. If you have a fan club, she's probably in it. So well, you tell her I said thank you. <laughs> I sure will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, educators out there listening, uh, be sure to check out, um, you know, what Chris Hogan and Dave Ramsey have to offer. I think it'll be time well spent. So, so Chris, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, the name of the podcast is Reimagine Schools, and, and we're always talking about how to create better schools for kids. And I know you have children of your own, and, uh, you know, their success in school is obviously very important to all parents. Uh, but as I think about how to make schools better – and I don't want to step on any toes out there. If there are math teachers out there, you might want to turn the volume down a little bit. I always wonder why we spend so much time teaching these high-level math skills, the trigonometry, the algebra, the calculus, when we're going to use that uh, so little in our lifetime. And we don't spend more time just having courses called life skills, teaching people personal finance, teaching people how to manage debt. Just You can have an entire class about credit card debt. Uh, that seems like it would be a, a much better approach uh, than maybe some of the traditional math instruction. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think that there's a, obviously education and learning, I think is important because it helps the mind to be able to stretch and grow. And education also allows us to be able to apply. It. That's the whole aspect of homework, quizzes, and tests. So I think those things, they, they have a spot. Uh, but I would agree with you that the life skills side of things uh, as, as higher percentages aren't going to traditional colleges next. Some may be going out into the workforce. So I believe in equipping young people for things that they're, they're going to need, uh, how to be able to deal with money, um, understanding, uh, you know, the impact of debt, uh, the benefit of investing. So I think that's something that's really, really important. We have that with our foundations of personal finance uh, that we're teaching in middle schools as well as high schools and even colleges as we're helping young people start to know this stuff so they can get ready. And they don't start off in a hole, but they start off on the right foot. Yeah, and I, I don't want people to misunderstand. Of course, if I'm driving over a bridge, I hope the engineer has had some, some high-level math skills, just like you want a doctor to have high-level skills if they're doing heart surgery. But I, I think we probably need to get back to some of the basics and talk a little bit more about those life skills. And I'm glad you brought up the curriculum that, that you provide through Ramsey Solutions. And that's something that can be done at the elementary school level or the high school level all the way through. I've even talked to elementary teachers before about putting away that math book or that workbook and just get some Monopoly money and give it to the kids and let them learn how to make change. Let them learn the value of money and, and what it looks like uh, once they're going to enter the workforce. So, well, I think, that, I think that that's really, really smart because, again, it goes back to a life skill. I remember being in the seventh grade in a home economics class. And our teacher taught us all how to write a check, uh, how to balance the checkbook, 
but also how to sew a button on a shirt. Now, I can tell you, you know, I, I laughed and rolled my eyes in seventh grade right at that task. I'm like, what are we doing here? But I'm going to tell you something. Those were skills that were given to me at that age that I still use to this day. And so I'm with you. I think we can give more realistic things that, that young people are going to need and guide them to help them start off the right way. And, and you know, I see so many young people, uh, if I'm at the mall or if I'm at Walmart or Kroger, they reach for that credit card so quick without even batting an eye. And I see an older demographic that's counting change in line too. So it, it's really a difference in mindset. You, and I guess that's related to age and experience. No, it really is. And I think with changing times, as we have more digital currency now, with all the different apps and things of that nature, you know, my fear is, is that we lose the touch of money, uh, that the opportunity to be able to, you know, get in control. I can tell you, when I first connected with Dave and his information, the thing that changed the game for me outside of budgeting was going to cash in certain areas, the cash envelope system, because when the money was gone, it was done, right? There was no more eating out. There was no more buying gifts. When the envelope was gone and it gave me this visual awareness of being in touch with my money and so i think as we swipe debit cards or we tap things and do all this if we don't have that skill set of being able to manage and count money and be in control i think it becomes more of this ethereal thing uh that that can cause more trouble later and, and another big piece of this that that you talk about all the time is how to budget and it sounds so simple but a lot of people either don't know how or they don't take the time to sit down and do a family budget. I remember as a school superintendent, you know, I would do an annual budget, 15 or $20 million. So you think about the value of doing something like that. What advice do you have, not only on a personal level, but school leaders that are putting together, whether it's a, a school district budget or a large corporation putting together a budget, how can we improve that practice? Well, I think first and foremost is you're, you're right. The whole budgeting aspect is absolutely crucial in our personal lives, but it's critical in business because remember, businesses are employing people and these people have families. And as I said earlier, people matter. So I think it's really important to understand that the budget needs to be your roadmap, uh, especially in, in leadership as a school administrator, uh, where you're looking at this and you're understanding this budget is how you're going to impact these young people's lives. So looking at it, and don't just let it be numbers, but start to see some faces. Start to see those young people walking through the halls. Start to see that teacher that's been with you for 12 to 14 to 16 years that really cares. And then what happens is just you start to understand, how do I provide them resources to continue to do their job at a top level? What, do, what are we missing in the school that we need to get? And, and it allows that leader to start to think bigger and more progressively for these young people that they're in charge of. And as we go back to this reimagined schools concept and how to create better opportunities for kids, uh, I also think about, uh, I see more and more kids chasing fields in which there aren't job opportunities. And this idea that we have to start uh, encouraging kids to identify the areas for job growth and figure out what skills are going to be necessary and then put them in a position to be successful because, as you well know, we have too many kids still living at home paying off, uh, paying off debt and, and really struggling to, uh, you know, enter young adulthood. No, we really do. I mean, the average student loan debt right now is hovering close to around $40,000 that people have, which is absolutely massive. Uh, student loans are the next critical situation that we're dealing with financially as a country. And so I think what we have to do is to give these young people these life skills early in life, in the seventh, eighth, ninth grade, 
with some advanced things in high school. So regardless of what they pursue after they graduate high school, they've got some baseline skills that, they know, that we know they'll need in life. And again, traditional college may not be for everyone, but there are trade schools out there. There are professional schools out there uh, with opportunities for people to make a good income to be able to provide for their family. So it really goes back to us empowering young people to think about what's possible. They're trying to dig in and connect with their passion. My friend Ken Coleman recently wrote uh, his book, The Proximity Principle, where he's really helping people to connect with the careers and the things that they're passionate about. And I love this information because I think it's crucial for young people to have this to really start to think differently about what's possible for their lives. And, you know, Chris, I know you have a busy schedule. You're always out speaking and you're doing great things to help people. I think, personally, you would be a fantastic keynote speaker at an education conference. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to do that or not. You probably have. But uh, when you talk about leadership development and you talk about, uh, you know, helping people kind of navigate some of these life skills in the classroom, um, how would people get a hold of you if they had an interest in bringing you to their school or to their conference? Sure. Well, if they can find out all things about me at my website, chrishogan360.com. And if they're interested in me coming in to speak at their conference or their event, uh, there's a place on the website that says bring Chris to your event that they can click on and they can connect uh, with the, the gentleman that handles my speaking and really start to talk about their event and how I can help. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. I do want to let you have one final closing thought uh, as we think about, uh, you know, we only have a few weeks left until we're back to school. And, uh, you know, we want to create better schools for kids each and every day. What advice do you have for parents, uh, for teachers, uh, for students? And what can you say to get those folks excited about a new school year coming up? Well, I know there's only a few weeks left in summer and you're about to kick off a new school year. So I would tell the teachers, the administrators, the parents out there that, listen, let's understand the impact that we can have. A positive word and positive actions to these students can really start to help them dream big and and really think differently about what they can do for themselves. So do me a favor, shine and polish that young person around you. Talk positive to them. Start to engage them about their future. Get them to think big. And when they talk about something that they want to do, help them to engage in the planning of that. What is that going to look like? Help them to really start to believe in themselves that they can do some great things. We just need great teachers and great administrators to start to fan that flame inside of them so they can start to truly believe it for themselves. Well, it has been a tremendous honor to spend some time with you today. Folks, you need to follow Chris Hogan on Twitter. Go to the website, Chris Hogan 360. And, sir, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your summer. My friend, thank you very, very much, Greg. It was a great opportunity and a pleasure to be with you. Okay, that's Chris Hogan. And as we wrap it up, folks, we always end the show the same way. So once again, remember, always do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Hi, this is Tate. I am seven years old and I am in first grade. I like school and I love technology. Thanks for listening to my Uncle Greggy's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at drgreggoins.